Hello leaders and welcome to 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast, we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We find hidden gems and rapid fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. Because we believe the world today more than ever needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do, but stand out in the way they do it, are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have an impact that reaches further. To truly unplug out of busy and tune into here and now, we invite our guests to do a breathing exercise with us. We intentionally do not disclose any questions in advance because we want to get intuitive and heartfelt answers. We want you to get to know the person behind the title. These questions have no logical order and that, at times, might feel a bit uneasy. After 48 minutes exactly, you will hear a tone, which means the interview comes to an end no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. All of our episodes can be accessed via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And do check out our website www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date of our upcoming slowdown retreats and other activities. So welcome to our next episode of 48 Minutes Unplugged. We are now in day 19 of the COVID-19 semi-lockdown in Belgium. We have decided at Unplugged that during Corona times, we will focus our interviews to a certain extent on this topic because we believe in times of crisis, leaders should stick even more together and help each other out by sharing experiences and best practices. So today I have with us one of the youngest CEOs in Belgium. He's 32 years old, married and father of two children. He's an entrepreneur and innovator who has been recognized as one of Belgium's next generation business leaders. His career tra trajectory is quite out of the ordinary. He studied hospitality management to then join Deleuze and become the youngest ever store manager at the age of 22. He then jumped into the world of logistics, taking on the role of Southeast Asia manager for Alers Group at the age of just 25. And he says himself, he failed spectacularly in that job, so decided to try something different. So at age 28, he co-founded the e-commerce startup Parsify, a parcel delivery platform, which was subsequently acquired by Bpost, where he stayed until December as vice president of Bpost's innovation incubator, The Future Lab. And now since January, Patrick Leze is the CEO of Xilos and Bagar, a next generation IT service company with 250 talented experts. So welcome, Patrick, and thank you very much for making time in your, no doubt, very busy agenda. Great to be here. How has your day been so far? It has been quite intense, uh, like the past uh, few weeks uh, and in fact the past few months, but mm -hmm. it has been a good day. I have the feeling that people um, are getting acquainted with this uh, new way of living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I read a study that, you know, the second week, Of, uh, of of being stuck in a place is the, the the most difficult one and the third week is people getting more adapted and, and feeling more comfortable so we we're in the third week and I'm an optimist so uh, so that's good news okay uh, yeah it are definitely extraordinary times um, how has the way Xilos and Bagar uh, works changed in the past 19 days can you give us a bit of insight into that Yeah, we went uh, completely virtual, even proactively, uh, because we felt that something was uh, was happening in the world. And so even before uh, the announcement by the government, we decided to ask all employees to work as uh, most as they could from home. And even, you know, when I announced it in a, in a live video call, uh, I, I told uh, people, you know, take your chargers, take your chair with you, take uh, even screens with you. So we had really people standing uh, uh, in front of the elevator with, with their um, screens and, and we could share a very strange scene. But uh, that was a, a good way. Now, you know, we're an IT company. So we're helping a lot of, uh, of businesses to go completely remote, virtual. So I think we were, the, the, the fact of being proactive has helped Uh, to to have it all smooth and 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 in a good way. Yeah, in a way, you could say that uh, you are in one of the few industries which is at the center of the action right now. Yeah, um, we see it all the time. We're in a, a company where we help uh, 
companies to work virtually, also um, help companies to adopt all the technology because, uh, you know, technology is just a mean to an end. And, you know, we can offer the tools, but the, the question is how do people use it? And, and you know, having all day in front of a, of a computer with a lot of video calls, it's not that easy. So, uh, so for us, it, there's a quite a lot of opportunities, but we need to remain realistic that the, the economic impact of this crisis is huge and uh, that uh, also our customers are, are suffered uh, and are uh, by this, by this uh, corona uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. The, um, they say that in times of crisis, um, there are also a lot of opportunities. <laughs> Uh, for innovation and growth you are known as a innovative entrepreneur so which advice would you give startups uh, in how to tackle these times and and really um, generate innovation yeah i think great great question i think you know if we we look at uh, by the way the chinese word of crisis is in fact um, the same as opportunity. So each each crisis is also uh, an opportunity. Even my grandfather wrote a book with that title uh, in the 80s um, because it's also a moment where we can we can uh, do things. And I think there's a few uh, a few principles that uh, that for us are important. First one is try to take um, a head start. Um, so don't freeze. Don't completely block yourself, but try to take a head start and and really uh, even accelerate on certain ambitions you have, certain offerings you have. So 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 don't be paralyzed, but uh, really try to use it as an opportunity to go quicker, faster. So at the moment um, we are um, seeing that the crisis is getting over. You're not uh, just waking up. And I think yeah. that's, that's uh, the first one. The second one is, you know, it's uh, never waste a good crisis to also shake up and, and, and improve your organization. Um, mm-hmm. It's like Darwin. It's not the most intelligent. It's no, nor the, uh, the, the strongest one. It's the, it's the, the organization or, or the, the person that uh, adapts the best that will survive. And mm-hmm. it's the same for a company. And I think uh, these two are really important maybe with the third one is keep reaching out to your customers and one of the things i said to my sales force was hey come on guys and girls why not uh, attack the netherlands you know since we all work virtually uh, everywhere in europe uh, what's stopping us to uh, to also approach uh, dutch companies and say hey you know we can help you and you know we help you remotely and that uh, is the same for a company in bruges in brussels or in stockholm or in london or in amsterdam so you know, you need to you need to keep on moving uh, in these challenging times. True. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, two uh, questions that follow your answer. You uh, spoke about taking a head start and accelerating. On the other hand, in crisis, it's also the moment that all of the investments are frozen. So, how do you accelerate? with little means yeah a great what else would you advise to freeze all means or would you advise to keep on investing to a certain extent uh, let's be honest you need to be really uh, cost aware so uh, also for us we were really proactive in deciding what we would stop and we stopped uh, and we froze quite a lot but there's one thing i just accelerated um for example uh, this week uh, one of my uh, my sales champions will have um, a five day five day um, training on on how to uh, do sales in in difficult times by one of the world's greatest professors, uh, Jamie Anderson, which mm-hmm. I called and said, "Hey, you know, uh, let's make sure that we give the tools and train people to uh, to be effective." And for example, tomorrow there is also a training uh, on how to do cold calling. Um, in challenging times for Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, we can ask people to be creative. We can help uh, ask people to, come on, keep on calling and try to sell stuff. But we, as a leader, need to make sure that people can uh, upgrade their skills, uh, mm-hmm. and that we invest in training. Um, and it's like at war. We need to see that our uh, soldiers, uh, which are in the front line, are, uh, mm-hmm. have the good equipment, are well-trained, 
And uh, that's certain things that where I'm, I'm going full force to make sure that they're really comfortable. And when they go in the battlefield, uh, they can win and they can survive. And, uh, and so that's a few examples we do. And, and maybe the last one is there will be also a, a training for our people on how to use creativity and entrepreneurship and also have an internal webinar about that, um, which will also be hosted by, by Jamie Anderson, professor from the Antwerp Management School, because mm. we can always tell all this stuff, you know, that you need to be creative and you need to be an entrepreneur. But if you don't give them examples on how to do that, and some frameworks and some 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 tools, it will not happen. Okay. Okay. So keep investing in people. Yeah, it's 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 a bit a dual. It's a dual transformation. You need to slow down on on the non-critical stuff, uh, but you need to make sure that you help customers um, and that you also are listening to new needs because um, you know if we go back 35 years ago. Um, in fact, my dad founded uh, Xylos and he wrote a business plan and it was 1983 uh, and he said, look, I will start a company and I will sell computers. But there's one thing I, I, I certainly will not do and that's training. I will not give any training on how to use computers because there's no market for that. Mm. I will just sell the computers and foresee some software. And, you know, it's quite funny because, you know, two years later, two years after the, when he started, um, 75% from the turnover came from training because, you know, quite quickly he realized that, okay, you can sell computers, but if people don't know how to use it, you know, there's no value in it. And I think it's, it's really super important for an entrepreneur to, uh, to be super adaptable and to see what is the demand today in the market and, and how can I adapt my offering and use, reuse the capabilities I have in my organization to, to solve these new problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you talked about your father yeah. and you, you come from probably one of the most famous entrepreneurial families in, uh, in Belgium that uh, that probably helped you to a certain extent, but maybe also um, made your career path uh, more challenging. Could you could you comment on that? Yeah, it's it's you know everything is quite relative, you know. Uh, so so uh, I think it's true. I've been born in a family where um, my my dad has been an entrepreneur and a CEO. My my uncle, my grandfather. Uh, I now have one ambition is that finally also uh, a lady uh, can take up uh, a leadership role as a laser. So I, uh, I am working on that. I have two young daughters, Astrid yeah. and Alex, and, and I hope, first of all, that they are healthy and, and do whatever they want in life. But uh, it would be great to also finally have a woman uh, and not always men uh, making career in business. But uh, next to that, yeah, it's true. It has helped me quite a lot because uh, even though I, I didn't see my father that much when I was young, um, uh, he, he sometimes uh, invited me to meetings just to listen um, or to, to join him on a business trip. At the same time, it was also confronting because, you know, as a, as a son, you, you also in your puberty, puberty, you ask yourself, what do you want to become? And mm. you want to compare, you compare yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. with your dad and 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 for me that was not always uh, that was not always easy i think also mm -hmm. with the family i was not always considered as uh, the most intellectual uh, let's say maybe not always the the the, the best uh, one at school because mm -hmm. I, i i try to have a lot of fun at school and, <laughs> um, and and it was not always it was confronting for me because i have some uh, some great cousins that in fact did mid jury so it's uh, it's an exam you do Uh, around you 16 to skip the last two years or mostly it's used for people that are lagging behind and mm -hmm. need to, to go faster because they, they already failed a lot so they do an exam to skip all the courses and to directly graduate and in my family I think I have three or four cousins that did that not because they were bad students just because they wanted to go quicker to university and for me that wasn't always it was confronting because you know I thought back then that uh, good grades were a symbol for success in life and were the only path to success. And in the meantime, I think I have a different view on that. 
but yeah. you know when you're 16 17 and and everyone is being quite successful uh it was not always that easy that's true I personally um, realized at a certain point in my career that I probably made decisions um, driven by external uh, motivation to get approval from my parents rather than because I was really intrinsically internally motivated. Mm. And what you just said uh, kind of um, goes in that direction. Is that the case for you? And, And do you recall at which time your perspective changed yeah I, I, I you know it when i was 16 17 um my dad went into politics so next to uh, a businessman he also became a, a really public man uh, in the city of antwerp uh, where mm-hmm. he was also elected and i i always remember that i left school and that in front of my school there were big big posters with with uh, my dad's face uh on and for me you know it was it was confronting and i was uh, you need to know my dad i i he's one of my best friends but mm-hmm. you know he studied law and commercial engineering at the same time so when mm-hmm. i was 17 and i uh i received the question patrick what do you want to study and your dad has done uh, law and commercial engineering at the same time you it's not easy because you try to excel in your own way and so I think I made one of the best decisions ever, which really changed my life, was to go and study abroad because mm-hmm. I was really in an urge to be Patrick, uh, to have a first name and not be the son of, which yeah. um, which you're confronted with, so you need to deal with it. So I also have a lot of, 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 I'm grateful also for the family where I was raised because I received many chances. But we all know that in puberty, uh, you know, you, you search for self. And for me, my my best uh, solution was that I, uh, in fact, uh, studied in Switzerland, uh, where, in fact, nobody knew me and where I was just a student and where I really could be myself and, and discover, you know, what I like to do and, and also make friends and, and not be compared or, or open a journal, the newspaper and, and see uh, your grandfather or your uncle and it, that gave me really the freedom and and you know so a lot of mental rest so when i came back to belgium i was patrick and i felt comfortable with uh, with who i was and who i am and what i wanted to be and why did you study hospitality management well it's really a coincidence um I, someone told me hey patrick you know by the way do you know there's really great hotel schools um maybe that's something for you and for me it was a combination i think you know there is a lot of discipline in uh, in hotel i like it uh, personally i like a lot to uh, also i think great hotels um have a soul they have a story it's about service it's about it's about the details it's about uh, making people at home even if they're not at home and so I must admit that I like to stay in nice hotels, which have a, which are authentic, which have a story, mm-hmm. and um, and for me being in Switzerland uh, at uh, the Geneva Lake in in Montreux was really great, and and it was very international. So we were there with uh, 80, 80 nationalities. It was an American way of study, so very very uh, also pragmatic with teachers that came from the industry. And finally, I, I never decided to work in a hotel, uh, but uh, um, I, I, it was a great education and, and for me helped me a lot to be open-minded towards other cultures, to be really hands-on, to come with solutions. And it helped me in my first job at Deleuze uh, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't just study the theory, but there was also some practical stuff and a lot of group projects with help, which helped me a lot later. And what is the first time you recall really feeling successful in your own right because of Patrick? I think uh, it's the first time. It's when I was promoted uh, at Deleuze to manage uh, the second biggest store um, at Deleuze in Belgium. So it was a store uh, in in Brussels with uh, 120 employees. And I think that was for me really sort of uh, a great feeling that I know I was recognized as Patrick, that I could do a good job. And then then also there was a series in the newspaper where, in fact, um, they interviewed uh, some children of uh, of businessmen. 
and I accepted to an interview. And the title, the title of that interview was um, "I want to make my own first name." And it was a bit a way for me to say to the teachers that uh, in high school said, "Patrick, you're a bit lazy, or come on, study more, or you can do it." To uh, to show them that I can uh, can uh, achieve stuff. And I think difficult times when I was uh, a kid. Uh, when mm. I sometimes felt a bit, I don't know how you say that, the black sheep. In fact, it gave me a lot of energy until today to prove myself, to make something great and um, and to exceed expectations. And I think mm. uh, when there was uh, that big article in, in the TED uh, with a, with really a personal story and with being super proud to to be working at the LESA, um, I think that was for me a sort of, hey, dad, uh, hey, grandfather, hey, uncle, and and hey, world, you know, I'm, I'm Patrick and uh, this is my story. Mm -hmm. And then you, you say yourself you failed massively at your job uh, for Alice Group. Yeah. Why did you fail? Yeah, so uh, you should know, you know, I, I was having the time of my life at uh, Deleuze. I started there as a management trainee, uh, quickly saw that there were leadership skills and things I liked. So I became store manager and then of a bigger store. And then there was a question uh, on, on, on becoming uh, a district manager, managing several stores. But I was feeling an urge to move abroad again. And so I went up to, to the, the senior vice president, Mark Debush, and I, I went to him and I said, you know, Mark, I, I would really love to go uh, abroad. And uh, Deleza had a supermarket and still has supermarkets in Indonesia. And, and Mark told me, Patrick, you know, um, that's not that easy because normally expats, we only do that as from a director's level. And, and, you know, you still need to do, uh, you need to still level up to get to that uh, level. And, and I said, you know, Mark, that's no problem. Just make me director and I, I can move to, to Indonesia. But he said, you know, it will take five or six years. But, yeah. you know, as a young kid, you know, five or six years uh, feel and, and 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 you know it's like an eternity so uh, you know by coincidence i think my dad told me that um my dad told me oh there's someone ringing my dad told me that um that they were looking for someone in the family business to go to indonesia so i said okay let's do that so i quit my job at the last that i loved and i think it's the moment uh, that i was on that plane flying to indonesia uh, really uh, that I only realized which impact that would have on my life, on my personal life and also professional life. Mm. Would you say you maybe did it for the, the wrong reasons? I think, I, I think that's, that's true. I think I did it um, maybe too much to also uh, have a sort of relationship with my dad, um, try to uh, already get a, a role in, in, in the company or have a, have a more close relationship with him. Mm. And, and it was maybe also too fast. Uh, you know, I, I, I stopped the relationship with my girlfriend. I, uh, I moved to a new culture. I moved to a new industry. And I, I will never remember that moment then that, that I took off from, from Brussels and I was sitting in the plane. And normally when you fly somewhere, you know when you return. But I signed the contract for three years mm. and, and I had no ticket. And for me, that was, that was confronting. And when I arrived after a few months, I just realized that I was unhappy, um, that I, I missed um, my life before, that I also realized how the importance of a private life. I always loved to, to work. I always, for me, working is a hobby. But I was sitting there in the middle of nowhere in Indonesia and I just hated my job. Mm -hmm. And and I had no one to go to. And okay, you can have an expat life and, and go out and, and have fun. But, you know, it's I just missed also Antwerp. You know, I, I love traveling, but mm -hmm. I think Antwerp, I just want to live forever in, in Antwerp. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I like the Pistolekes and I like the Grotemarkt and I love traveling, but... This is home, and you, I only realized that when I was sitting there, and and I I was a bad performer, honestly, and um, and at a certain moment I said, okay, I uh, I stop and 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 let's try something different, but mm -hmm. not uh, it was certainly not a big success, that's, uh, that's for sure. But now you're you're 32 and CEO of a company of 250 people. 
so to say you fast tracked is is a uh, is an understatement. Are you in a hurry? Am I in a hurry? Um, it, it, that's a really good question. I would say that I've been always keen to go fast to prove myself, and I have this. I like to exceed expectations. That's also a pitfall for, for me um, because, you know, I always want to do better. Um, it's maybe also relating back uh, to my youth when I, I felt I was not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's something I need to actively manage. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is something uh, that I don't want to waste time. Um, and But I think the, the fact that I'm here at this age is because I quite quickly uh, took so, some opportunities, tried stuff. And all the failures, honestly, uh, which were quite painful in my life, um, at that time helped me to really turbocharge my career two, three years later. Because, in fact, the learnings from that experience helped me to adapt my personality, my business skills, mm-hmm. to make sure that in the new role I would get, I would really excel. And then just grab opportunities, step up, say, hey, you know, I think, you know, you know, Beepost, we need to launch a new department and just not wait until people ask you for stuff, but just go to them and say, you know, I've made a two-pager on, you know, how you can tackle that problem. And, you know, I can help you with that if you want. Mm-hmm. And... Um... What what does the future hold? I mean, what is the end goal for you? Because uh, in in the best case, you everything you've done until now, you will be able to triple that in time. So, uh, what are you going to do the the next fifty years? That's a great question. So, um, Jen, when I started at uh, Xylos, I knew life would be even more intense. I of course didn't expect the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, which would make it a real roller coaster. But um, a few years ago, I went to a speech of Jurgen Ingels. And one of the, he had like a speech around 30 tips for entrepreneurs. And one of the tips was, you know, make sure you have a contract with your wife. <laughs> Because, you know, you will work day and night. You know, I'm, I'm working now. It's also my own money again. It's like back startup, but on a bigger scale. And, you know, there's no VCs. You know, the VC is the family. Mm. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I will, this will be really intense. So let's make a contract. So one night I just took a bowl of wine. I mm. took pen and paper and I said, Catherine, my wife, let's have a discussion on... Um, what you expect from me and I expect from you for the next 10 years. Hello? Yeah. I'm still there. Do you still copy? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I lost you. Uh, no worries. No yeah. Worries. Okay. So, so you, you got a bottle of wine and you, you made a contract with your wife. Yeah. We made a, we registered a written contract with pen and paper. And, and one of the things that, that we agreed was that in exactly nine years, I will take a sabbatical of nine months and we will travel the world with um, our two daughters and maybe more kids if, if that would happen. Um, and that, you know, we also made some agreements on, on when we would take holiday and what we expect from each other because I'm here for the long run. And the goal is to have really to build a company which is relevant, which is good for the people, which is, of course, profitable. And uh, which can really, um, I think in the family, I was always raised with a social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Not the goal to be the biggest or to make the most profit, but to have an independent voice in society around te- technology, about important matters, and to create also an income for people and create jobs. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the end goal. And to make something that is sustainable, that we can hand on to uh, next generation Again, because it's for, for us, it's 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 about also passing on to next generations and making sure that we take care of it. And it's a privilege I can take care of Exilos uh, mm-hmm. today, but it's also a responsibility to make sure we hand it over to uh, the next generation in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, in this podcast, we interview leaders who we think are inspiring, and we have our own view on what that means. What does it mean to you to be an inspiring leader? 
it means you are authentic. It means you are open about how things really go. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about being honest. In fact, it's about being honest and 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 admitting that sometimes you as a leader don't know. So admit that this COVID nineteen crisis gives me a lot of stress. And, mm -hmm. and 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 with one very important aspect um, is that you remain uh, optimistic and hopeful and mm -hmm. um, and that you dare to create opportunities for the people around you and I think these elements are for me inspiring when I look to other people um, mm -hmm. and look to, even to employees that take initiatives dare to to tell stuff to me give me feedback because we can all learn and, and adapt and, and, and learn from each other. Mm. And thinking inspiring leaders, who is the first person who comes to mind? My grandfather, I would say. I think it's uh, my grandfather that passed away a few years ago, who in fact, um, yeah, was, was really uh, an entrepreneur that um, not only uh, created a business, but also dared to speak up speak up about social issues, spoke up about, about uh, inclusion, diversity, um, and also uh, in difficult times uh, when, for example, the newspaper, uh, the Standard, was, uh, was uh, failed, was, uh, was uh, going out of business, said, you know, let's, take, let's borrow some money, let's invest, and let's try to, to give it a second chance. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the scenes that we always heard from the family is that at a certain moment, he, he went in front of all the workers and said, come on, workers. And he stood up on the, on the table and said, if we just continue working for this weekend, because in a newspaper business, it's very important to continue delivering news because the moment you stop, people shift to another news media. And he said, come on, you know, uh, keep, on, keep on going for 48 hours. I will fix that we get out of this crisis. You don't know me, I don't know him, but let me be very clear. Uh, we will come with a solution. And it's fantastic to see because today we are, uh, we are more than, uh, than 40 years later and uh, the newspaper is going well and we see the value of good news is really important in these times. It's mm -hmm. also news is important to hold our leaders accountable, to hold uh, the politicians accountable and to inform the people in a correct, critical way about things that are happening around us. And I think for me, um, he's uh, really inspiring. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that you realize at a certain point that your personal life is also important, that uh, uh, it's important to have a certain balance. Uh, so I'd like to talk to you a bit about, about that. Um, what do you not start your day without doing? Do you have a certain ritual? Do I have a ritual? No, I, I, I would say that for me, time management is, is super important. So mm -hmm. it's actively, proactively deciding before the month or even quarter starts on mm -hmm. what I will spend time. So I really, it's even with colors and percentages and my assistants. Uh, keep, keeps track on that but for example when I started in January I said I want to spend 70% of the time around people and relationships and for example I started with round tables uh, with employees and the other 20% I will spend on for example deep dives business deep dives and all the rest I will not do and then, for example, for February, I said, I want there during February, 80% of the time, I want to do commercial work. I want to go to clients, listen to clients. And I think that's really important to actively manage your time. Because we mm -hmm. all know that you can have to do the list, but and we all know all the meeting requests. But for mm -hmm. me, that's really a tradition and a ritual to mm -hmm. really just look at my agenda and look at the colors and do that for saying, okay, what do I want to do in April? in May, in June, in percentages. And, you know, I once met a CEO that, that does that for the full year already because mm -hmm. it's important for you to also plan according to your priorities and then look back afterwards and say, okay, you know, I said I would do 60, 70, 
of, of uh, strategy in March. Mm -hmm. Okay, what did I really do? And reflecting on that. And that's something that uh, is for me, uh, it's not very spiritual, but mm -hmm. managing your time is for me one of the most important things mm -hmm. as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, Mo uh, Gaudat, who is the godfather of um, Unplug 48, he uh, says that to be happy, if you want to be happier, you have to define what your happy moments are and do more of those and define what your unhappy moments are and do less of those. What would you say are your happy moments? Happy moments are, um, it, it's personal, it's when I, uh, these days when I go down and, and my two young daughters are, are really uh, screaming, saying, Daddy, and, and you know, and, and, and now we have some fun together. Uh, mm -hmm. That is really giving me a lot of energy. Um, and the second thing is, is leading in, in a group and, and bring talented people together and make them work together. And uh, mm -hmm. seeing things happen, that is giving me so much energy. And then the mm -hmm. third one, which is giving me today a lot of energy, is, is leading and remaining calm and making decisions as a team uh, for the sake of the company and, mm -hmm. and, and daring to take decisions. Even mm -hmm. if they're not easy, we took some very difficult decisions uh, mm -hmm. in the past few, few weeks. But we need to take them and we need to have that vision. And that gives me a lot of energy, um, really daring to act, um, even when it's really difficult. And then setting the business rhythm to move and get things done. And the, one of the things that I love the most is when I see people excelling in their job or doing fantastic presentations or doing great customer projects. Because at the end of the day, I don't need to be on stage. What I love to have is to see my people, to have uh, my, my great colleagues, to see them excel. And that's giving me a lot of satisfaction. Because at the end of the day, I have an important mission is that I am also replaceable and that not the whole system is counting on me to do everything but that uh, the, the bands, they can play music on themselves. And, and voila. So that's for me, uh, giving me a, a lot of energy. Um, and yeah, it's leading a team and, and winning together and, and then uh, sharing the, the, the win with, with the colleagues and making sure they get in the, into the spotlight. Because mm -hmm. I think for them, uh, it's a great feeling. I get already a lot of spotlight attention. But for me, uh, giving special attention to people and, and making, seeing them thrive is just fantastic. It's fantastic because you know, or, with, or sometimes it's hard for them. It's hard for the organization to get things done. But it's just fantastic to see when, uh, when it happens. Mm. Do you know what your personal purpose is? My personal purpose? Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's really... Um, transforming companies um, into a beacon or how do you say that of a beacon of success mm -hmm. and uh, it's a bit my personal story it's it's mm -hmm. it's for me it's the patrick who was insecure when he was a young boy mm -hmm. uh, thinking he was not good enough mm -hmm. um, and and it's it's really my mission to give opportunities to people that maybe in a in the later stage of life or in their career have unique talents but don't realize and, and giving them the tools, support, coaching to make them really excel and turn them into uh, great, uh, great people, business people. If they're a leader or an expert, it doesn't matter. But that's mm -hmm. really my mission because I have the benefits of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of also, I think it's important to help people uh, that uh, didn't had received the chance to get some coaching from the from the dad or to get get access to some experts. So that's really my mission. It's helping uh, maybe the underdogs mm -hmm. um, and right. make them excel because that's for me fantastic to see. Um, and voila. So do you sometimes hire uh, wild cards? Yeah, 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 for sure. And and or just reaching out to people where you say, you know, uh, let's have a chat. Or, uh, you know, at Beepost, I was uh, also a coach of some, some young people and it's really taking time for them. 
It's uh, and investing and saying, hey, you know, uh, here's a book for you. And I think really you should read that chapter or here there's a book about Praten met Reuzen uh, van, uh, the, of Noel Slange. It's about how you should talk with, with, with leaders in big corporates because, you know, there's certain, if you understand their mindset, you can really uh, do much more and get less frustrated. And it's really, that is giving me so much energy. Because mm. you know there's no financial return or anything, but I'm mm. I just hope that you know in five ten years time you just see them excel at whatever they do, and you mm. just know that may, perhaps you helped a little bit. To what is oh sorry no no voila. so that, that um, yeah no it's super um what is the most memorable thing ever anybody ever said in an interview that made you really want to hire him on the sp or her on the spot that's a good question uh, i think it's more feeling i have um i think uh, you know there's a few questions i i always ask uh, when i interview people it's you know what were your hobbies as a as a kid you know uh what uh what what are the job of your parents and and how were you as a kid and mm -hmm. and i think it's it's and 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 for me it's um it's it's also the stories of how how people uh uh reinvent them themselves uh, i think everyone in life had difficult moments mm -hmm. and, but i don't have one specific but it's more the authenticity mm -hmm. And the yeah. good to go for it, and and maybe it's the the feeling of people that had to work really hard to prove themselves. That is for mm -hmm. me always a good trigger. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and you know one of the triggers for me is you know how much do they dare to ask questions to me? Mm -hmm. And I think an interview, it's not a one-way conversation. It's about mm -hmm. commitment from two parties, and we too often forget that. So I think you know for me. It's more about how interactive is the person, how much does the person dare to ask me some really tough questions. Mm. And I think that is triggering me to say, okay, this person has guts, is, is, has a sense of, is, is critical about, about also when is analyzing and, and dares to speak up when, uh, when they have something on their mind. And what did you want to become as a little kid? I wanted to become a helicopter pilot. Oh wow! So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, was. Do you see why or how that led to where you are now? Is there a correlation? <clears throat> Maybe having an overview or something uh, over the bigger picture. Yeah, I think you know it's something no one uh, I think still flying. Um, it's it's quite funny if I look at my family. You know, the first, my, the first generation, my grandfather, he was a businessman. My, the second generation, uh, so my father, my, my uncle also were active in, in business, but moved also more to politics. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I see the third generation, my cousins, and most of them are active in the cultural world. So I have mm -hmm. people uh, working for operas or being uh, an, an art director or mm -hmm. being an architect. So it's quite funny because I think each generation is trying to also look where they can specialize, excel in. Um, and, and now I have my brother, uh, Dennis, who is uh, trying to excel at, in sports because no one in the family does uh, really excel at, at sports. And mm -hmm. I, for me, it was just something on, on you know, being a pilot, uh, being able to travel. And I, you know, I like the concept of a helicopter because you can almost land it anywhere. It's not like a plane where you like formatted in, in you need to land it at an airport with all the rules. And I think I'm still a bit uh, of a rebel where I would mm. be like, okay, you know, let's take uh, the helicopter, the chopper, and, and let's fly to the seaside and just mm. land on the beach. Something mm. you can easily do with a helicopter, but not with a plane. Mm. Um, so I think that's been the mindset of this creativity, this freedom, which is for yeah. me very important and just, doing stuff even if uh, they tell you it can be done mm. um so you joined an unplug for the eight retreats uh a while ago in which way did that uh, have an impact on your career 
there was some practical stuff. Um, after the retreat, I bought a second smartphone. So mm-hmm. I, also in the contract with my wife, there okay. was stipulated that I work from Monday till Saturday, 1 mm-hmm. p.m. full force. And then mm-hmm. I switch off my mobile. Uh, I switch off my computer and I take a little old school mobile phone, which I then use to go to the butchery or to uh, the supermarket with the kids. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I am not really good at balance. I also don't believe too much in balance. I'm either I go full force on work or full force on pleasure. And Mm -hmm. finding a balance between them is for me very hard. And I Mm -hmm. think uh, what for me was a big impact, it was not professional, but I think it's the, in the first evening, we had to write a letter to someone. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a a long letter to my wife. And I think, you know, uh, sometimes you're so obsessed and I'm so, so obsessed by my job. By, by the long mm-hmm. hours and, and being responsible to deliver, to improve, to exceed expectations, that you forget that there is someone at home uh, which is uh, taking care of the kids, but which is also your best friend. And that um, mm-hmm. all the good things we adopt and learn in a business on giving feedback, taking time with your employees, organizing mm-hmm. events, organizing team buildings, um, mm-hmm. giving rewards, that too, mu- too often we don't apply them ourselves at home. And I think mm-hmm. for me, it was really realizing that, the importance of, of also her in my career and, mm-hmm. and really making sure to take more time and to also uh, write uh, sometimes a letter to her because mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm not so much present. And I think that was for me something that was quite striking because I didn't expect... I uh, I would write a letter, and I think the letter was even the concept of uh, what if you would die within uh, 30 days, uh, for who would you write a letter? And, and I think that made me quite emotional, and uh, and also uh, it, it popped up the importance, which uh, honestly yeah. I too often forget, mm-hmm. um, and uh, to mm-hmm. tell people how much you love them, uh, how important they are, uh, also time, make time for discussion and still a struggle for me. Um, but I think that was a, a key learning. Mm-hmm. You are uh, an example of, uh, as an entrepreneur for, for many other entrepreneurs, uh, also for myself, by the way, which advice would you give me as an entrepreneur today? It's, first of all, uh, I, I, I think I, I need to remain quite humble because, you know, uh, I think it's, it's uh, I think also me, me as a leader, I, I still make uh, a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. learning on the job. And I think, I think one advice is to um, try to find something where you excel and try there to be the best. And, and have a lot of fun with that. And I think the second one is there to, to ask advice. Um, mm-hmm. Some people think that asking for advice would um, give the impression they're not smart mm-hmm. or that they don't know. Um, but I think it's just a strength. And, you know, or even in, the, in these times of crisis, you know, you need to dare to call people and say, you know, I'm having that issue and, I'm thinking of that solution, but how would you tackle that? Or even ask employees, you know, what do you think? You know, because I think it's really important not to believe as as an entrepreneur, you need to do everything yourself. That you need to dare to reach out to people. And too often, you know, if you ask, if you reach out with, with being humble and sincere and authentic, you would be surprised about how many people are willing to help, are willing to have a chat to say, you know, think about this or that, because there are some very experienced people uh, that that have experienced uh, hard times, have done stuff, have done all mistakes. So, um, so I, I would say, you know, dare to ask for advice and and don't be too hard on yourself. I think uh, that's maybe the last one. It's you know, there's times where also I felt really bad. I. Uh, where I even I think most for almost felt in a burnout. I think I was just at the at at, at the edge of, of falling in that cliff. And I, th- I I will always remember that a lady told me uh, Meredith, and she told me Patrick just accept 
that if you don't always need to be in fifth gear, you need you don't need to always be like wow Superman going full force. Accept that these few weeks or even these few months that you will be on first or second gear and make peace with it. Don't get feeling annoyed or feeling bad. Oh my God, you know, normally I would deliver all these PowerPoints and do these big projects now. But sometimes your body, your mind need to rest and you need to accept that and do that. And also you accept that sometimes you don't need to decide because a lot of stress we put on the, on our own shoulders. I had a discussion with a with a with a lady recently who was facing a big career change. And 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 I said, you know, maybe you should just not decide today. Postpone the decision until January and see whatever happens. But don't stress yourself by saying I need to decide now if I take on that job or that job. Mm. it's okay to postpone a decision and to say I will accept my current situation I know it's not the most ideal but it's still sometimes better than all the stress of all the time thinking about should I go for option A or option B accept your current situation and say let's see how it will move and how it will change over time and I will decide on January 1st and I think that's quite important because we too often you know, tell to yourself, I need to decide this month if I'm launching a company or if I'm, I'm quitting my job or am I uh, doing this or that. No, come on. You know, don't be too hard for yourself. Mm. Because as an entrepreneur, you know how hard you can be on yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely recognize <laughs> Uh, Patrick, we've unfortunately come to the end of the interview uh, and we have to be really uh, harsh when it comes to timing, as you said. Um, so I would like to thank you very much for making time. I thank know uh, it's a busy, busy period. And for um, being truly authentic and vulnerable, um, I think you, uh, you're uh, really uh, an example of uh, how... Um, it's uh, you don't always have to act as if you're um, powerful and strong at all times, but uh, you can just uh, genuinely be yourself. Um, so thank you very much and uh, uh, good you're luck. Welcome. Thank you very much and all the best. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. But before you head off, if you haven't heard our previous episodes yet, then I strongly recommend you check them out. You can find them on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And check out our website, www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date of all our upcoming slowdown retreats and other activities in relation to inspiring leadership. Together, let's bring more inspiring leaders into this world. Have a lovely day.